start off in Chronicles 2020. Yeah. And I like to point out how it starts out, and they rose up early in the morning. So you have a part to play. You know, you, you, you prophesy over your city, you prophesy over your family, just like Marie prophesied over the children before they left here, that revival would break out there. That's not just words to say. When she says that, get your faith with her and say, why not? You know, our Sunday school is not really big right now, but we had 50 and 60 people in here when, in our Sunday school when Nancy Holmes was doing it. Why? Because you had younger families? No, because of the anointing that was on her life, that season that we were in. The best seasons are coming up. That's why he would tell you, you know, you look around, fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And, and, then, and then you need to look at what's going on in the world today. Like back in the early church... Well, let's look back in history, in natural history, wars were fought over territory until 9-11. And the word terrorist became the normal. And so so now terrorism, you don't know where it's going to break out. They don't wear uniforms anymore. You don't even know who your enemy is. But the same thing happened in the church. In the early church, you know, Nero was feeding them to the lions. They were being beheaded and all of those kind of things. And you think you're better off now? No, it's worse now because terrorists are after you, after your thought life, after your dreams, after your money, after your vision. Like we think, oh, no, back then. No, no. Now it's tougher because your enemy's not out there. You have terrorists that are after you, but you can't see them. And they have the same malicious intent to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The problem is, because we don't realize it, because we can't see them, we walk along through the minefield wondering why people are, you know, why these things are happening. It's time to wake up. No, this is Ephesians 5.14. Wake up. Wake up to what's really going on. The flu epidemic. Flu epidemics have been hitting the planet forever. Hallelujah, but my Bible says that his word is medicine to all my flesh. But the Christians are freaking out worse than the unsaved people. Why? Because we, we've lost our identity. Satan stole Adam's identity and he has stolen the identity of the church and we're getting it back. That's why we get together to get our identity thief put, put in his place. In all these things you're what? Struggling longer more than a conqueror. Which is it? My God supplies all my needs according to his riches to glory by Christ Jesus, or I never have enough. If I don't have enough, I'm letting the thief and blaming myself or blaming somebody. Everything begins in the spirit. The problems that you see out there originate in here. So if you can deal with in here, your health will spring forth speedily, your finances will spring forth speedily, but the enemy attacks your mind. This is why he's saying here, he's saying, rise up early, and and then what are you supposed to do? Believe God and be established. You got to believe him. It's not make-believe. Lots of people, it's make-believe. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Sometimes he does, sometimes he don't. 
You know, they told me early in the church that God says yes, no, and sometimes wait. Then one day I'm reading my Bible, and I find out that all of his promises are in him, yes, and in him, amen. There's never a no and a wait. Then I was watching a preacher on TV last week, and he said, God will push you down to raise you up. My Bible says every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from God the Father. Let no man say when he's tempted or tested or tried that he's tempted by God, for God tempts no man with evil well God allowed it well maybe I did <laughs> no, no, no. We read the Old Testament and think, well, God did that. No, no. He, he gave them, put them on one mountain and read the blessings, another mountain and read the cursings. And then afterwards, ever after that, it said, and God did that. No, they broke the promise, and their broken promise did that. God didn't do any of that. <laughs> he can't be schizophrenic. He's either good God. He came that I might have and that. So if I'm not, it is. Come on. It's because I don't know him well enough. Amen means sure and solid. You know, this word, this word, this word believe, it's the word amenya, where we get the word amen. And it's also the same word used in established. It means to trust in the truth. It means to be stable. It means to be steady. So if you're not stable and steady, then you're looking at the wrong thing. Then you need to refocus. You focus on the word and not on the situation. When you focus on the situation, oh, come and magnify the problem and it becomes bigger. He said, come and magnify the Lord together. So over in 1 John chapter 4, Hallelujah. He says, Beloved, beloved, let us. And again, how can I love you if I don't like me? How can I give you my wallet's in my office? But if I had my wallet in my pocket, I could give you 40 bucks. Why? Because I have 40 bucks in my wallet. But if I didn't have 40 bucks in my wallet, I couldn't give them to you. And so how can I give you what I have not received from God? When I receive his love, I can give his love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You can be born of God and not know God. And when you don't know God, you don't have any love to give anybody. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is what? So if God, you, you know, we, we pray, Ephesians chapter 3, that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. So when I look at you, you're born again. And whether you know it or not, you're filled up with something. <laughs> the fullness of God. How do I get filled with the fullness of God? He said, that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith so that you can be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all the saints. When you're rooted and grounded in love, you're able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the breadth, what is the depth, what is the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you be filled 
with the fullness of God. God wants to tank you up today. You know, but you need to get tanked up. I found since I moved out the country, I'm filling my tank twice a week. I'm still not moving back to the city for nothing. I saw cows and horses coming in this morning. Saw this big old cow with huge horns out there with his little calf, and they were just kind of tripping through the snow. I thought, wow, no, there's no traffic jam. I didn't see a car till I got to the airport. Not even another vehicle. Just cows and horses moved back to the city. Not a chance. How did I get off on that? Hmm? Filled with the fullness of God. But now wait, then he says, when you get that place, when you get to this place, he said, I'm powerful to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or even think. Now here's the the catchphrase here. According to the power at work within us. What power? The love. I gotta get the get the love moving. Get the love moving, right? Get the love moving. So turn to somebody and say, "Get your love moving." <laughs> Hallelujah! You don't mind if I read the rest of the chapter while we're here? And I, I tell you, our service, my my heart in, in church is from now on. I'm going to stay in this flame. I'm not in any hurry to go anywhere. I got nothing going on this afternoon that's more important than being in his presence. Praise and worship could have went on until two o'clock. It wouldn't have bothered me at all. Hallelujah, because in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. And I know that all he wants to teach me is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's his motivation. He's a lover. I mean, Peter cut off Malchus's ear. Jesus picks it up and pat- attaches it back to his head. The God that's arresting him. I've got a ways to go. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, beloved, let us love one another. Let's not love the people that love you. Do good to those that despitefully use you. We want the power of God, and we want to know, Jesus, what did you do to get that power flowing in your life? He'll tell you, just read Matthew chapter 5 and do it. <laughs> you want to heal the sick, raise the dead? Read Matthew chapter 5 and do it. That's all you got to do. Oh, God, I want the power. Well, the love. Faith works by love. Faith works by knowing that you love, first of all. Once you get that, then you can love somebody else. But in Proverbs chapter 3, I pray this over my life almost every day. Uh, and I encourage you to do the same thing. But in verse 1, he says, My son, don't forget my word. Let your heart, not your head, not your religious head, let your heart keep my commandments. Well, we, what are his commandments? We know them. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's it. Not big, not complicated. But look what happens when I do. Length of days and long life and peace are added unto me. When? When I do that. Not when I read it and forget about it. When I make that, when I incorporate that in my life. The thing I like about Solomon's Proverbs is they all have condition clauses. If you do this, God will do that, right? Then he says in verse 
two, three. Let not mercy and truth, or kindness and honesty, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck and write them on the table of your heart. One translation says, you know, these first two attributes should be the first things that people notice in you as a Christian. Your grace, your kindness, and your honesty, your integrity. Matter of fact, one translation says it's on your neck like a dazzling piece of jewelry. So again, it's the first thing that people see. They see that you're kind, and they see that you walk in integrity. And you know, you might think integrity is really easy. You walking in truth is really easy. We can lie so quickly. I mean, you know, John and Annette asked me to come over for dinner. Well, I, it wouldn't be a lie. I'd be there. I'd be there. The fish and chips? Okay. No, no. No, no. Every few months I hint. But <laughs> no, no. But if I said, well, I'll try, it's because I don't want to tell the truth. Like, okay, I'm coming. Like, I remember one time years ago, like, you, you know, we're talking about Christians now. You know, the, the, the book of Colossians, he says in chapter 3, stop lying to one another. So how many of you know Christians, how many of you know husbands and wives tell lies? Not in my house, but maybe in your house. Anyway, we had this guy years and years ago. He was an elder in the church. So don't try to figure out who he is, okay? <laughs> and I caught him in something. And so I, I corrected him in my office, and then I protected him. He left the church a few weeks later and slandered my name all over the city. And years went by, and I protected him. Not because I wanted to. Maybe Jesus wanted to cut off Malchus's other ear in the natural because he didn't want to go to Gethsemane. He was he he or to Calvary. He bled blood, you know. Because never, you know. Please take this cup from me. But because he was about his father's business and because of his integrity, he you know he did what he did. Right. Anyway, this guy you know slandered us all over the place for years and years. If, and, and all we did was protect him. And why are you telling me that, Pastor? Because, no, 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 I, I love the guy. It's, it's over and done. But what, what makes a man rise up in pride and feel like they have to, have to do that? Here, know this. Pride is the voice of the flesh. Yes. And humility is the voice of the spirit. Yes. So whenever you want to protect yourself and defend yourself, that's pride. Whenever you, you know, we ought to be at the place where we just love one another and we don't care what anybody's saying about us. We're just as happy as we can be. Too busy enjoying God. Living in the flame. Living in the fire. There's an old song. Please don't go back and listen to this song. This was a very ungodly song. But I sing it to the Lord sometimes. Please let me stand next to your fire. Let me stand... I have one burning desire. Let me stand next to your fire. Let me see those eyes of fire looking at me because I know that they're deep pools of love and they'll burn the crust right off me and get right to my heart. He, he said in Hebrews 4.12 that everything is naked and open unto him with whom we have to do. You want that look in your life. 
because it's not judgmental and it's not condemning. It's like I'm here to make adjustments. I'm here to make changes. I'm here to show you how to walk in what I've already made you to be, the righteousness of God. I will lead you in paths of righteousness. Just come stand next to my fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Now I got that song playing in some of your heads. I apologize for that. <laughs> Paul even had his foot going on the curb. <laughs> he said, don't let mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the table of your heart. In other words, let kindness and honesty be seen. And here, this is, this is our target. Like some of you are, like, like don't be sitting there now analyzing yourself and thinking how you fall short of this. That's not the point of the message. The point of this message is now we've got a target. Like I said before, I practice sin till I get it perfected. And now I'm practicing righteousness. Right? So when I read this, I don't go, oh God, I failed here and I failed there. No, 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 I'm taking this and applying it to my life now. I'm going to take this now going to make it a point in my life to be kind. And when I started reading this the other day, preparing to preach there, I started calling people up that left this church years ago and thanking them for what they did because I realized that you and I, we don't get anything accomplished by ourselves. We're, we, wherever we land in life, there's a host of people around about us that supported us. I mean, somebody changed your diaper. Can you imagine that? <laughs> No, no, the garbage guy that comes up my street every two weeks and picks up my trash. I wave to him all the time. I'm so thankful that he does that because can you imagine if he didn't? The guy that brings my furnace oil, if I'm around, I go and say hi to him. Hey, I appreciate what you're doing here because I'd be home freezing my butt off, right? No, no, but when you start thinking about, you know, we, we've had this church for 28 years and a lot of people came and went. Most of the people that paid off our building aren't even here anymore. And so I'm praying, I'm saying, you planted your seed and then you left the farm. I'm praying for them that wherever they are, they'll receive the harvest anyway because we couldn't have got it done without them. Yeah. Did we always leave on good terms? No, because we didn't do this. We weren't kind to one another. We didn't love one another. You know, and so, so this, is a good this is a good time for this message. Just before we move on with this, let's go to um, Psalm 15. And when I, you know, sometimes you hear an evangelist on TV saying, I love you. You're saying, you don't even know me. But I understand. If you understand covenant, and if you understand the love of God, I love you is not based on the performance. I, I love you, agape love, that, that word that was coined in the Greek, simply means I love you without cause or condition. It's Romans 3.24, right? I love you without cause or condition. Hallelujah. Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle and shall dwell in your holy hill? He that walks uprightly, there it is, integrity, honor, loyalty, favor, gratitude. He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his wherefrom, in his heart. Being honest will cost you sometimes. Can I just give a little example? Because Lloyd Skinner's probably watching from Marguerite. 
Lloyd called and he said, I'm coming down on Friday to stay overnight. Is the room for me and Lori and Bruce? Bruce is his dog. Bruce is a wild dog. Bruce, the first time he came in the house, he ran in and jumped up on our bed. No, no, I don't want anybody's dog on my bed. And anyway, so, and, and you know, and when he was bored, he was chasing his tail around, around the room. And you, and, you, you, and, you know, you're thinking, there goes the furniture, right? So, so my first thought, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just being open with you. I don't want to disappoint him. So I'm thinking, well, he's coming on Friday. Maybe I could take Nancy to a restaurant on Friday nights and call him up and say, we can't do that. <laughs> no, but I really want to see Lloyd and Lori. I just don't want to see the dog, right? And so finally, you know what I did? I, I, I called and said, you know what? You and Lori can come stay as long as you want, but find a babysitter for the dog. No, but I wasn't wanting to lie to him. I, wasn't want, I didn't want to disappoint him. So I was going to lie. None of you have ever done that. That's why you're looking at me like this. You're just trying to think of the last time you did it, right? Verse 3 says, He that backbites with his tongue nor does his evil neighbor. No, no, wait, now read it right. <laughs> he that backbites not with his tongue, neither does evil to his neighbor, and takes up a reproach or take up a reproach against his neighbor. Remember when the, the lawyer was looking for a loophole and he said, Who's my neighbor? Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, <laughs> right? The, the one that everybody despised, the Good Samaritan was the real neighbor because the other people wouldn't help at all? Why? Because Jesus is that one. Mark 10, 45, he said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, you know, come and, come, and take, come and learn of me and I'll give you rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me from humble. So the first thing I need to learn when I'm walking with God is humility. That I, I don't do anything on my own, that I, that I owe everything, like the cow said, I owe everything I have to others. <laughs> I saw it on a sign. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to repeat it. Okay. <laughs> Verse 4, in whom uh, his eyes of all person is condemned, but he that honoreth them that fears the Lord. Look at this. He swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. In other words, once you give your word, you know, years and years ago, people used to deal with a handshake. And now, now if you make it like even just, even just to get host insurance, you got to pay, you got to sign about eight or 10 pages of stuff, right? Like, why? Because everybody lies. They, no, no, they said 80% of high school students cheat on their exams. I didn't bother. Never thought, maybe. <laughs> no, I, no I, just, I just didn't care. That's the truth, I didn't care. He that swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. Now let's go back to Proverbs 3. Why do I want kindness and honesty to be my attributes? Some of, the, some of the great people from years ago read Proverbs every day, people like Henry Ford and people like that. Now, I, I can't speak to his integrity or anything like that, but I, I know this, that anyone that succeeds in the world 
has taken principles from this book to make it work. Why? Because it's a law. It's a law like gravity. Gravity works whether you like it or not, and these promises will work for anybody. So he's saying, if you'll put kindness and honesty on where, around your neck, verse 4, he said, so shall you find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Wow. What do I have to do to do that? Kind and honest. And I don't have to display it because that would be pride. No, no, it's like, it's kind of like if you think you don't have any pride, you do. <laughs> no, that's just proof. <laughs> it's like that, that woman that I used to stay with. I, I went, just before Nancy and I got married, I boarded at a place for a little while to save some money. <laughs> and uh, you have to have some to save some. And uh, she, one day she looked at us and we, we took her for lunch after church, and she said, you know, I'm the humblest person that I know. No, she really meant it, too. She, yeah. <laughs> Get her a humble button. When you, when you wear it, you're done, right? So, but look at this. So shall you find favor, cherished approval, preferential treatment, partiality, Get promoted to prominence. How? So shall you find favor and good understanding. Where? In the sight of God and in the sight of man. Favor. Matter of fact, the Lord says, when, when your ways please me, I'll even make your enemies to be at peace with you. So what do I need to do, Lord? I, he just told you. Be kind. Be honest. Be kind, be honest. Don't, pride will try to protect itself, right? Pride always has to be right, because if I'm wrong, then I, I lose my security, and I'm a very insecure person to start with. Most proud people are. But let's drop down to verse uh, 34. That piece of jewelry around your neck, kindness, honesty, so it's not self-centered. It's yourself. You're, you're conscious of yourself, but you're not self-conscious. You're conscious of others and who's putting it into your life. Who, who, those are, don't take anybody for granted. You don't know how long they're going to be there. You know, anyone that comes in your life, they're either a blessing or a lesson. But either way, it's good. I mean, I've learned more from people that didn't like me <laughs> it's true and I learned more from being broken than I ever did when things were going well in my life because when you're, when you're in the fire you find the fourth man when you're in lion's den he's sniffing your body you find out that the, the, that the Lord is the, your shade on your right hand you know I look to the hills from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the God of the heaven and earth that never slumbers never sleeps so that Daniel said, oh, well, he never slumbers or sleeps, I might as well have a nap. <laughs> no, no, try going to sleep with a big lion sniffing you up and down. <sighs> we read these stories and forget these are real people and they weren't in the new covenant established on better promises and you can't sleep at night? Seriously? It's because you've, you're, look, if you're dealing with things, it's you're looking at the wrong things. 
Look at the word of God and find out who you are and meditate that day and night. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. If you do the opposite, if you're led by your emotions and always looking at the problems that you face, you know, thank God that you got feet that got you to church. Thank God that you got legs that you were able to get up and dance. Thank God that you live in Canada where you're not, you know, where they're not shooting you because they think you might have the flu. (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse uh, 34. Surely he scorns the scorners, talking about God, but he gives grace to the humble. Chapter 15. Praise and worship team. Just be ready to go all day. No, no, if people will stay with Jesus for three days and not realize they hadn't eaten, those are, that's, that's like, I don't know what you're expecting. But I'm expecting services that will just go into the night. Paul preached till midnight, and a guy fell off the third balcony, broke his neck. Paul goes down and lays on him and prays for him, brings him back in the service, and then preached till dawn. These, no, no, but no, no, but these were people like you and I. They had other things going on. They had a restaurant they wanted to go to after service and all those kind of things, right? They forgot it all because they got sucked into the anointing. They got plugged into God. You can plug in right now, or you can think about what you're going to do next, or you can think about the problems that you're facing and how you're ever going to overcome them. Or you can say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm plugging into you right now. I'm, I'm going to suck the anointing right out of, just like the woman with the issue of blood. I get a hold of the hem of your garment, and I'm not letting go until I get everything that I need in my life. She pressed through the crowd. She pressed through, crawled on her hands and knees, broken and sick and beaten down. And she got a hold of that because she was so desperate. I'm not leaving here. Come on. When Was it Isaac or Jacob? Jacob that wrestled with the... With the I'm not... Yeah, yeah, because he got his name turned to Israel. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go, God, until you bless me. I didn't come here to have church. I come to have an encounter with you. Let me stand next to your fire. Hallelujah. Be consumed by it. Burn this living sacrifice. Consume the living sacrifice. Hallelujah. So where did I say chapter 15? Did I say go there? Chapter 15, verse 33 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. So there's a process here. Chapter 16 to verse 18. Pride goes before destruction. Well, that's Peter 5, 6. You know, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he can exalt you in due season. It's the same thing right here. Same thing Peter, Peter preached this verse in Peter 5, 6. He said, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll exalt you in due time. Then he tells you how to humble yourself by casting all of your care upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for you. you no, he said, I don't want you to be careless, but I want you to live a carefree life. Stop trying to change you. Stop, stop trying to fix you. Stop trying to be a better you. 
and seek my face. Enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise and watch the change take place. We read Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20. Read through the rest of the chapter. You find that your only part to play is to stand and worship God. No, no. Even when you read Hebrews chapter 4, that they didn't enter into his rest for 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Because they never just stopped and worshiped God. They never just stopped. They were all working, 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 trying to get their own deal done and, and missed the whole thing. He said, labor to enter into my rest. It's the only thing that you need to labor in. You don't need to be laboring, trying to be a better you and all of these kind of things and struggling. He's saying, if you'll praise me, if you'll worship me, I can get more money in your pocket while you're praising me and worshiping me than you can work in three jobs. How do you know that? Because we just read it in Proverbs chapter 3. He said, if you'll put kindness and truth on you, he said, I'll bring you into great favor with God and favor with man. You need to read the rest of the chapter. You know, he'll talk about honoring him with your substance with the, and the first fruits of all of your increase. And then he goes on and says, your parents will be filled with plenty. Your presses will break out with new wine. Yes. I don't know how that works. <laughs> My peace I leave with you. That's a choice too. So, you know, John 14, 27, he said, I'm leaving you my peace. Most Christians don't have any. None. Because they don't ever apply it. He said, in, in me you'll have peace, in the world you have tribulation. Step out of the world, step over into the, into the realm of the spirit. All of a sudden there's peace. Why? Because I'm not focused on the problem, I'm focused on my Lord. He'll never leave me, he'll never fail me, he'll never forsake me. So I may be walking through some difficulties, but I'm not camping out. I may be going through, but I'm not living there. I'm walking, I'm going somewhere else. I got my eyes on the vision. Hallelujah. So, so he says here in verse uh, 16 and verse 18, he said, pride goes before the destruction, the haughty before fall. Well, you know, real pride is just blind to the truth because it's centered on self. And again, pride is the voice of your flesh. Humility is the voice of your spirit. That's why pride always wants to defend itself. That's why pride always has to be right. Why? Because pride is rooted in fear and humility is rooted in love. What am I afraid of? Well, you know, I have to be right because if, I don't, if I'm not right, I feel threatened. I feel challenged. I have to be right. The problem with being right all the time is nobody can teach you anything. No, no, even when they're trying to help you, you're waiting for them to shut up so you can tell them how good you are. You ever notice that in a the conversation? They, they didn't hear what you said. They were waiting to give you their story, their deal. No, no. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And most people hate correction. I remember Jackie McKay taught us this. You know, constructive cri criticism is a bouquet. It doesn't feel like a bouquet when somebody corrects you when you're wrong. Like I said about that other guy, I corrected him when he was wrong and protected him while he was wrong, and he was gone weeks later. Pride, so it was. Matter of fact, you know, the Bible says a haughty man is a fool because he'll never learn anything from God. Mm -hmm. 
Just remember this, pride is rooted in the fear. Anytime you feel yourself right, you know, but don't, don't study pride. This is, I remember one time reading about this, this money expert. Maybe it was that movie we saw. The guy, catch me if you can. The true story, this guy. But he studied, he studied the real so closely that he could recognize and make the counterfeit. But with us, if we study humility and study gratitude, make a list of the things that you're thankful for instead of the things that you want. Just a little list of the things that you're grateful for. And you'll find that list grows and grows the more you look at it. And then to think that you're a child of the king, to think there are 7 billion people on the planet and you are sitting up in church praising God. So he says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Look at this. Better to be humble in the spirit with the lowly than to divide the riches of the proud. I know that's true. I was watching a story about a football player on TV, the football life, and it was, uh, well, I'll just tell you who it was. It was Terry Bradshaw. He played uh, quarterback way back in the 70s for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now he's still involved in football 40-some-odd years later, 50 years later, as an announcer. And I met him several years ago in Fort Worth at a Cabela's gun store. I just wandered in aimlessly. <laughs> And uh, he was talking about the, the horse ranch that he has over in Oklahoma. It's 700 acres, and he's got all these purebred horses, and, you know, they're, they're famous champions. And so I thought that was really cool. And uh, so then just a couple of weeks ago, they had his story. He, to- he finally told his story on TV. And he said, you know, he said, when football was over, it was the best day of my life because my coach... His coach was the Antichrist spirit, always picking on what he did wrong and hounding him and hounding him and hounding him and hounding him for 14 years to the point where he went through three failed marriages, the point where for 40 years he wouldn't even go back to the city of Pittsburgh, just until recently. And so then he's sitting there with his new wife. Well, she's not new. She's been around for five, five or six years, but he's standing there with his new wife, and they're walking around this beautiful ranch and all that. And she says this. She says, um, I watch him because I can tell a couple of days before it happens, he's going to go into a deep depression. This is a guy that if you saw him, he's still in the middle of everything. He's done movies over the years. He's, he is the highlight on Monday Night Football and all that kind of stuff. And he struggles like that. And so we look at people like that and think, wow, it must be great to be you. No, it sucks to live like that and not to know that it's a spirit. If you can see it beginning to happen in a couple of days before it happens, well, chemical imbalance, I, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not the judge, but I'm just saying if you, the man would get full of the Holy Ghost and filled up with the word of God, how do you know that? Because God said, my word is medicine to all your flesh. You can pump all those other pills and you can go get the tranquilizers and, and the antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. And after you've done all that kind of stuff, you're still sick. And then God says, my word is medicine to all your flesh. 
Proverbs chapter 3 said, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge me. I'll direct your steps. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Why? Because it's health to your flesh and marrow to your bones. Marrow is what produces the blood that flows through your body that, con that fights every disease that you have. What do I got to do, God? Trust in me with all of your heart. Not Dr. So-and-so, Dr. Phil or whoever. Trust in me with all of your heart and not lean on your own understanding. Don't base your life on the doctor's report. Base your life on the report of the Lord. Isaiah 53, who, who hath believed the Lord's report. Unto him shall the arm of the Lord be revealed. Well, if it's not happening for you, it's because you're not believing it. But that's okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're not believing it, take some more medicine. No, no, if the doctor told you to take that medicine four times a day, man, you'd be right after. What? Uh, there was a guy working at our house here a few weeks ago, came to pick up something, and his alarm went off on his phone. I said, what's that for? That's to remind me to take my blood pressure medicine. I said, dear God. <sighs> What would happen if you set your phone four times a day to go read the I am card? <laughs> oh, sorry, I got to stop everything now. I have something to attend to. No, no, but we'll take that seriously and ignore this. This is God. That's another man that got 50 on his doctor's exam. And you're going to trust him because he buries all of his mistakes. <laughs> No, no, the fact that he's practicing medicine ought to tell you something. He's practicing on you. Thank God for them. I'm not against doctors, but, but that's not where I'm going to put my faith. They, they are a good tool in the hands of God. Anyway, stop preaching that. Okay. Better to be humble in spirit than divide the spoil of the proud. Let's go to... Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 17. Let's really shake this up a little bit here now. Because lots of times, in my experience, to find that lots of times there's unforgiveness which produces sickness. And, so, and, some, and lots of times it's been there so long that you're scared and you don't even know you, you're walking in it. But that's why he said in Mark 11, 23, 24, you know, speak to this mountain, be the removed and cast into the sea. Don't, don't your heart believe the things you'll say will come to pass. You'll have what you say. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe and you receive them, you shall have them. Next verse. If you have aught against any, forgive. We like the first two verses. No, no, we quote the first two. No, it's kind of like, it's kind of like we love quoting Philippians chapter 3. Oh, to know you in the power, power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I've never seen anybody quote the next part of the verse. Conformable unto your death. <laughs> Who? Did I say that? I didn't mean it. I don't want to die. He's not talking about your physical self anyway, but that's fine. Chapter 17. Now, in, when you read Matthew's account of this, he'll identify the guy that, that spoke out as Peter. I mean, you know, Peter had hoof and mouth disease. Yeah. Then said, then said his disciples, then said he rather to his disciples, it's impossible 
that offenses won't, offenses come. Every day you're going to get an opportunity to be offended. Unless you stay in bed. <laughs> Cover up your head. I don't know. No, but you know, people, people, we don't, we forget that there's terrorists out there and we get angry with people. But there's terrorists out to destroy you. They came to steal, to kill and destroy you. They hate you like you'd hate a cockroach. They do not like you. you. There's no way that you're going, oh, just leave the devil and he'll leave me alone. No, resist him and he'll flee from you. Stand up to him. After having done all, Ephesians chapter 6 says, stand. Right after he tells you that you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, he says, get this armor on, boys, and stand. And make sure you got that helmet of your salvation on. Make sure that you know who whose you are and whom you serve. Make sure that you cast down those imaginations and those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, and you bring your thought life into captivity to the obedience of the word, being ready to avenge all disobedience. Get that. Get that negative thought out of here. That that shield of faith. Get that fiery dart. Pink, pink, pink. Why? Because I'm ready. I'm realizing that this is a war over my soul. And that Jesus already won the war. You know, we forget that. We, we sing the song sometimes, the battle's over, Christ has won and all that. Well, he has. So what's my part? To stand and praise him with the armor of God. The, the sword of the spirit. Singing unto God. Sing unto the Lord a new song. In his presence, again, in his presence. When he was on the earth, do you think it was any different? In his presence was fullness of joy. And yet, and yet they had to pay to identify him because he was so humble. He went, hey, I'm the famous preacher from over there in Galilee. You know, send me 40 bucks and I'll send you this little bottle of water from the Jordan River. You can splash that all over yourself and get your healing. Just send me 40 bucks. Matter of fact, for 100 bucks... Merchandising the anointing. I'm not saying they're not anointed. I'm saying they're making money off it. No, 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 no. Anyway, shake your head. It would be better. That's why I'm not. <laughs> that's why you don't want to be one of those preachers. It would be better for him that a millstone would be hanged about his neck. You ever see a millstone? <laughs> and cast into the sea. Blub, 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 blub then you should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. In other words, don't, no, but again, rebuke requires communication. Don't just walk away offended. Deal with it right then. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Deal with things. Don't go to bed uptight and out of sight. If, no, it, if he trespasses against you seven times in a day, then seven times a day turns again and says, I repent, then you, you shall forgive him. And again, re repent is, you know, change of attitude and change of action. It's not just feeling sorry. Judas felt sorry. But Peter repented. Peter went outside and wept bitterly. So when people are repenting, there's got to be some reality, some honesty in that too. Oh, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, and then slap you again. That's not really repentance. And if you do that to me, I'll slap you back. Well, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Yeah, if I'm preaching the gospel and somebody slaps me, I'll turn the other cheek. You can come in my house and try to take something. 
I have a gun, I have a shovel, I have an alibi. You don't want to be there. Okay. <laughs> the apostles said, this is the only time they ever prayed for an increase of faith. It, because you cannot forgive people from your emotions. It requires faith. When somebody does you wrong, it takes sometimes it takes a month or two to get that process worked through. Whenever their name comes up, I thank you, Lord, I forgive them by faith. The apostle said, increase our faith. The Lord said, if you had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you might say to this sycamine tree, and I always like to say, if you're sick of yours, I'm sick of mine. If you say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and planted in the sea, it should obey you. But why did he pick a sycamine tree? Rick Renner brought this thing to life in one of his devotional books. The sycamine tree, first of all, grows in dry places. And it's used for making caskets. And the roots, because it lives in a dry place, the roots go everywhere. And this, the, the fruit is so bitter that only poor people eat it. And the way that it's pollinized is by the sting of a wasp. Sycamine tree. So why did he use the sycamine tree when he was talking about forgiveness, do you think? He was, what he was saying is, don't let a root of bitterness get into you and spring up. It'll, it'll entangle your whole life. That's why, no, it's good to do inventory sometimes. Just make sure, do I have odd against anybody, Lord? Because if you've forgiven me for being an alcoholic and a dread addict and a village idiot, who, who can I hold in unforgiveness? There's nobody, there's nobody. And so then when I begin, you know, as I begin this process of thinking about the church over these 28 years, I've got a bunch of people that I'm going to call. Not to try and recruit at all. Just to tell them how much I appreciated what they did. We bought our building in 98 and it was paid off in 2005. And most of the people in this building here right now, it didn't have much to do with that. But they did. And for one reason or another, offense came and the offended left. Maybe it was my fault. You know, I, I don't know. I, I never got in the ministry to hurt anybody. <laughs> I think I'm called to God so I can go beat some people up. <laughs> we got in to help people. But we find out you can either make them mad or make them glad, but you can't lead them the way you found them. You've got to, you can't, no, you can't bring correction without the opportunity of a defendant people. But you can't hold it back and preach the gospel. So what do you do? You grow. And so we growed, and I prayed that the ones that left are living in another church and they're growing. But the ones that aren't going to church at all, those are the ones that really concern us. But I prophesy over them. Try that again. <laughs> I prophesy, <laughs> prophesy over them right now. Jeremiah 31. They'll return to their own borders. Thank you, Lord, that there's a great anointing for people to return. Not necessary to this building, but to return to the kingdom of God. To let go of the offense. 
whatever it might have been, and to get back into the kingdom. Now, many of them, I would love to see them come back here again. What would happen? We'd hug and start from here. That's all you do. Sharon, you came back, we just, hey! It wasn't, where have you been? Hey, love. I know. I remember one time I got prayed for him in Scarf Court and fell right in your lap. <laughs> Another time I got prayed for and I went right out through the side door. The anointing. I came to and my feet were in the sanctuary and the rest of my body was out in, outside in the hall. <laughs> That's not one of those little Holy Ghost dips. That was a... Power. Power. You receive power. You receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. John chapter 4, he said, if you'll give me a drink of your water, if you'll come and praise me, I'll give you a water that you'll never thirst again. I'll give you living water. I am mime. I'll give you living water. But it's your move. What are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? Are you going to give me your worship? Are you going to give me your praise? You want my money? Are you going to give me yours? Whatever you do toward him, every time you practice his word, okay, Lord, I'm going to practice kindness and honesty. You start to practice. Here's a couple things will happen. God will be pleased, and the devil will test you. <laughs> no, no, in Luke, uh, Luke, uh, I forget what chapter it is, 1630, I think. Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. What it says in the Greek is, Peter, Satan has desired to sift all of you like wheat, and I pray that your faith won't fail. And when he said that, he meant you too. Because you were born into this earth and he owns the earth lease, he gets to test you. How do you know that? Because I watched him test Jesus. He'll test you. But if you do what he did, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. When his word comes into my spirit and comes out of my spirit, Isaiah 55, 11 becomes a reality. His word will not return unto him void, but it will prosper. It will accomplish what he settled in the earth to do. Why? When I receive it into my spirit, not my head, when I receive it into my heart, into my spirit, and I speak it back, the same power that was on when he spoke it into me is the same power that it gets released with. Because everything begins in the spirit. So if you'll get this word down in your spirit, how do I do that? Peter said, Paul said it this way. If you'll consider what I say, the Lord will give you understanding. In other words, if you'll ponder this, not if you go to this service and forget everything that you heard, you're like James 1, chapter 21, verse 24. He said, you looked in the mirror, you looked in the word of God and saw who you were, and then you walked away and forgot everything that you were, was about you. I look in the mirror every morning, first thing. Sometimes it's, I sleep on my right-hand side all the time. My hair goes up like that. 
And usually when I get in the bathroom, I get one eye is really not sure whether it wants to join the world or not. <laughs> no, and you don't look all that good, but you don't run out of the bathroom in terror. <sighs> no, some of you do. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I wasn't looking at anybody, dear God, no. <laughs> you apply what you know and go to meet the day. You apply what you've heard and you practice it and you fail and then you practice I'm not prophesying failure I'm just knowing that sometimes it doesn't, it, you don't perfect it the first time you try it and so you work this you work this until the harmony and the melody and the rhythm that's in this place the worship that comes up from here see how can you you can't really give your heart to worship if you're not in love when you get in love and think about what he's done for you already, never mind looking at what needs to be done later. What needs to be done later is not where your happiness is. Your happiness is right here. Being happy right now is where it's at. I'll be so happy when I get that new job. I'll be so happy. No, no, quit putting your happiness off in the future. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. Is everything right in my life right now? No, but this is the day. This is that day. This day is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm rejoicing, and I'm glad. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.